There's the windup. And a hit. Going out to right field. It's out of the park and gone. This is the inaugural episode of the Dirty Jersey Podcast. My name is Zach Anderson. Guys, it's kind of crazy. This was just an idea maybe, I don't know, two weeks ago. And now it's a real thing here at the United to, Moose, United to the Moose Studios. Uh, first, before we introduce ourselves, I want to talk a little bit about this podcast because I know many of you listeners out there, you may have just clicked on this podcast because you read the description about baseball or you may have looked at the logo and said, that was kind of cool. Whatever, whatever led you to this podcast, I want to discuss why we're here and what this will be about. You know, the name of the podcast, first of all, derived from, I'll let Aaron talk about this a little bit too, but uh, derived from like when you slide in baseball and you get your jersey all dirty and we thought that encapsulated the game very well. And also all of us here, we will get into ourselves in a little bit. All of us have a big collection of jerseys as well. So, and you know, this is a, this is a podcast made by baseball fans for baseball fans. And I think that we can do a great job. The three WVU students here, we also work for United to the Moose. We can do a great job covering MOB baseball as well as West Virginia baseball this season. So, uh, yeah, Aaron, anything you want to add on before we get into this? Yeah, like Zach said, um, you know, uh, we're all baseball fans and we're all avid jersey collectors. So dirty jersey, that's kind of the essence of the game of baseball. I mean, if you're playing good, if you're hustling good, your jersey's not clean. Your uniform is dirty. You got dirt all over the place. If you're sliding, um, hustling, and you know, making the right plays, your your jersey's gonna get dirty. And with the new rule changes, you got bigger bags, and um, it seems like stealing has been obsolete over the last ten years. So maybe not anymore. So Dirty Jersey. This podcast comes from humble beginnings. And now we got a lot to talk about here for our first episode. We're going to get into a lot of things. You know, we're going to recap the opening week of MLB baseball. We're going to talk about some best teams, best players, surprising players, rookies, all of the above. We're also going to talk some West Virginia baseball as well real quick at the beginning of the show. We'll also talk about the top storylines from the first week of the MLB season as well as a little fun segment at the end that we like to call our award show. We will get that to that at the end. But first, before we get into any content, let's talk about ourselves for a second. I know Tyler told me yesterday he doesn't like to talk about himself, but today we're going to get into some introductions so you guys out there can learn a little bit about us. So to start off with myself, my name is Zach Anderson. I'm a junior here, as all of us are at West Virginia University. I'm also a first year, well, I started this summer, so I guess this is my first full year at United to the Moose. And I also used to work for the DA, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, the student newspaper here in Morgantown. And I am a big St. Louis Cardinals fan. And I just got into the Cardinals maybe about a year ago, uh, a little over a year ago. And I've really come to love them, their organization, and follow them. So I'm going to toss it over to Tyler so he can introduce himself. Hey, everyone. My name is Tyler Persina. And, um, you know, really, there's only two differences between me and them two. One, number one is the extreme height difference. I'm like five foot five and you guys are like <laughs> seven five or whatever it is. But six foot one and six foot three okay. for Mr. Parker. There you go. And then number two is that I'm from the best state in the country, New Jersey. I forgot to mention that Aaron and I are from West yeah, Virginia. Exactly. Hometown boys here. Besides um, Tyler. Yeah. Besides <laughs> me. But um no, I grew up in uh Nord I well, I'm from uh northern New Jersey and Yankee Stadium is like fifty minutes away from me, so it was only natural that, you know, I became a Yankees fan, and I've been one ever since. Yeah, I'm Aaron Parker, and just like Tyler and Zach, 
Um, I'm a junior sports media student at West Virginia University. Um, I have been on the U92 sports staff for less time than Zach. I just joined um, this semester, which right now we are in the spring semester of 2023, our junior year. Um, I am also a sports writer and sports photographer uh, for a website called Blue Gold Sports, where we cover WVU athletics. Um, so that's what I do. I'm from Hurricane, West Virginia. That's uh, in between Huntington and Charleston. Not Hurricane, West Virginia. Hurricane, <laughs> West Virginia. You got that little uh, hick accent, I guess. Um, I've liked uh, baseball since I can remember, and um, I just started liking the Red Sox when I was about um, five or six year old. Started liking Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz and have never looked back since. So, um, listeners, we have a little bit of a rivalry, me and Tyler. Mm -hmm. um, we go back and forth <laughs> with, um, you know, David Total Ortiz time. stuff, Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez. Yankees, Red Sox, we got a little rivalry here. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I failed to mention, this is kind of an odd group of, of experience in baseball. You know, I just started watching the sport maybe like a year and a half ago at best whenever I, I met these two and they got me into the sport and now I hear, here I am today hosting a baseball podcast with two people that know the most about baseball out of anyone I know. So it, it's really good to be here and get this inaugural um, show going. But I think before we get into some MOB content, I want to start off with some West Virginia baseball because, you know, Aaron, they got a big win uh, at Marshall. I, I shouldn't say at Marshall. It was in Charleston at Gomart Ballpark, but it was against Marshall in Charleston and they got a big win yesterday. Yeah, they did. The Mountaineers had already taken down the herd about a week or two ago. Uh, three matchups against the herd this year, or no, maybe two. Two. They they won in Morgantown a couple weeks. They played uh, the herd three ago. times last year. Played them in Huntington and lost, and beat them in Charleston. Beat them in Morgantown. So two and zero oh against the, the the little brother rivalry, I guess. Uh, they had to battle back. <laughs> the friends of Cole Bowl. Ah uh, no, <laughs> friends of Joe Manchin Bowl. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, no, Marshall uh, got out to a late lead. They had a grand slam, but Mountaineers just, you know, they, they kept they kept battling. And Caleb McNeely, uh, Walter State Community College transfer. Two home yeah. runs. Um, he's been great for the Mountaineers. Two I big mean, transfers on this team. I mean, even if you want to toss Landon Wallace in there, yeah. three big transfers on this team that have come from maybe not what you would think baseball schools. I mean, I know Cal State Northridge is a good baseball school, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and Blaine Traxel probably has been the runaway best pitcher for the Mountaineers this season. Uh, Traxel came from Cal State Northridge, and then you got Walter State Community College, which I don't think anybody knew where that was before this season. McNeely donned the gold and blue, but then you have Landon Wallace from Nevada, which of course that's a, a Division One school, but not really necessarily known for its baseball. So those three transfers have really made a big impact for this, this team this season. Yeah, they have. Randy Mazie went out and he found his guys. I mean, uh, when I heard about Caleb McNeely, to be honest with you, I wrote a article on the transfers coming in i did some research i'm like man where is walter state community college and, <laughs> yeah you know, cal state northridge i'm like man you you lose austin davis one of the best players in the big 12 to a fellow big 12 school in victor TCU. scott as well to the draft victor I mean. scott you lose braithwaite to the draft you lose a couple other guys and i'm like man who are these guys but landon wallace homers on the first day of the, of the season he's got 10 steals already mcneely's batting 330 eight bombs 27 ribbies Traxel, I mean, let's talk about this kid, Blaine Traxel, from Cal State Northridge. Four complete game wins. Four. Like, in today's yeah. age, I you mean— You don't see that. I mean, mm. I know it's college baseball compared to the MLB and minor leagues, but, like, guys get yanked in the fifth inning and the sixth inning, and especially college baseball, you got some command issues there. Four complete game wins already. Barely entered Big 12 play. Um, another two games where he pitched at least seven innings and a 2.57 ERA. And we're not even talking about 
the best second baseman in the country right now, J.J. Weatherhill. I was just about to mention that, that we haven't even touched. We've talked about these transfers. We haven't even talked about someone that's been in-house for the last two seasons and has now really r- risen to being one of the best infielders in college baseball, and that's J.J. Weatherholt. And, and he just got nominated for the, um, the, the Golden Spikes Award. Yeah. No, not, not, well, yeah, nominated. Nation's best baseball yeah, player, correct? Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. I mean, so that's some, awesome accomplishment. If you look at that list, if you go online and look it up, I mean, there's some serious names on there. They're mm-hmm. in MLB right now. So for him to be nominated, you know, this early in the season, that's uh, quite the honor. And, like, look at his, yeah. his skill set. I mean, everything's there. He just he just hits, man. Yeah. I mean, going to the games, Zach, you've called a couple games for U92. Yep. He, the man just hits. He yeah. finds gaps. Um, he's a lefty. Um, but he hits it the other way. He hits it to le- the left center. He has no disadvantage against yeah. lefties either. Like it, it doesn't matter. No, no, lefty, lefty, no effect on him. Reminds me of like a Juan Soto in that aspect. Um, he sprays the ball all over the field. Um, but if you give him a bad pitch, he's going to take you deep. Seven home runs and his speed. I mean, twenty five steals already. How many times has he been picked off? Like once or twice, maybe, maybe, maybe three times. Fifty six hits. Yeah, that. I think he still leads the country in hits. Fifty six hits. Batting, he does batting four sixty three. From Mars, Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh, he's in-house. He's a sophomore. I mean, I watched him last year as a freshman, and I knew he would take a step, but, you know, best second baseman in the the (laughs) country? I think we all were like, yeah, this kid's good. He's going to start for the Mountaineers, but we didn't think he was going to take this kind of step Mm -hmm. into the place he has. I mean, he's put himself on a pedestal to start this season. Exactly. I mean, I I thought last year the best players for the Mountaineers were him and McGuire Holbrook. Holbrook left for um, mm-hmm. for Tallahassee. He's with the Florida State Seminoles now. So going into the season, like I said, I thought Weatherholt would step up and be the best player. But, geez, I mean, he's looking like somebody who could really be a prospect. And I'm saying a future Red Sox legend, J.J. Weatherholt. <laughs> I don't know if he'll be a future Red Sox. I mean, yeah. def- uh, there's there's no – what's the word I'm looking for? There's no chance that he's not an MLB prospect. At, I mean – 100%. Like, I, I guess I shouldn't get ahead of myself right now at this point in the season, at this point in his career. But next season, if he even continues or even if he uh, plateaus out next season around what we've seen this season, I mean, there's no chance he doesn't make a, a raw, an MLB roster. Right. And he's not just a hitter. I mean, look at his defense. He's the best defender on WVU's team, and that's mm-hmm. saying a lot. I mean, McNeely can make plays um, in the infield, and he plays the outfield. Landon Wallace is really fast out there in the outfield. Sam White can Braden play Barry's first. been playing great oh, in center. Yeah, Braden Barry's good. Sam White can play first and second, or first and third rather. And Weatherholt's still your best defender. So I don't think you're you're out of line there saying he's going to be a prospect. You're not saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer. You're just saying there's no way he's not going to be some kind of prospect here. And, you know, especially if he comes back. I mean, you have to play another year to get drafted if you're if yeah. you're in college. So say he comes back for another year and and does anything near this, he's going to be drafted pretty dang early. Hey, and there's some precedent here. West Virginia has put a guy into the MLB and has been very successful talking about Alec Manoa, the starting pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. He, he chucks, man. He is, he, he's a bulldog. He reminds me of the, uh, the, ba- the baseball version of Javon Carter. He's a, he's a bulldog. He does not want to be ripped <laughs> off that mound. Um, if, if his manager's coming out to get him, he's not happy. Um, he reminds me of Bob Gibson in that way. He's, it's, it's his mound. Like he's going to be out there every fifth day. It's his mound. And you know, he's going to go out there and chuck and he's got, wicked stuff his slider just falls off the table throws 95 um you know throws a good two-seamer and throws a good change so uh, he's really good now going back to since we're talking about pitching i want to go back to blaine traxel now i mean if you're an avid wvu baseball fan you know his style of pitching 
you know, how he has that, I don't, it's more of a sidearm. I wouldn't say it's a, you know, a three-quarter. I mean, I mean, you're right. Sometimes he brings it down, though. Yeah. Like, he brings it down. I'm doing it in the studio right yeah. now. The listeners can't see this. But he kind of brings it down yeah. near his hip, almost. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and he can change it. But, like, the, the, the point is that he proves that you don't need to throw, you know, mid-90s, upper-90s to be a successful pitcher. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not that kind of guy. You know what I mean? And he does what he does, and he does an amazing job, you know? Yeah, that's he's been he's been so successful for the Mountaineers this season. It's been it's been truly surprising to see. But um, to wrap this segment up a little bit, let's talk about just the season as a whole. You know, Tanner Lambert, the in-house sports director here at United to the Moose, said that this team could host a regional this season. And I I don't know what your guys' opinion is on that. Do you think that's a little too far fetched? I mean, they're twenty-two and seven. They got they won a road series against Kansas State to start out Big Twelve play, and now they're hosting Kansas this weekend. So what do you guys think of that take, well, just to start with that? Well, I mean, yeah, they're, they're like you said, they have a very good record right now, and they've just entered Big 12 play. I, I don't know if we should, you know, be uh, talking about that yet. I think we still <laughs> yeah. need to, you know, see how things go. But, um, you know, th- I mean, they're a very good team, so it, it could it could easily happen, but I don't want to jump the gun yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm kind of like Tyler. Yeah. I don't want to jump the gun. Um, I don't think it's far-fetched, though. I mean, it happened yeah, a couple years definitely. ago with this team. Um, you know, Maisie, Maisie got the first regional in Morgantown. I mean, let's let's go back 10 years. They're playing at, what, Holly Field? <laughs> that place is a dump. <laughs> there's there's no buzz around the baseball. That's the field, field. behind Dick Dillette Soccer yeah, Stadium. Right. It's got all the, yeah. it's and got it's, all the porter potties, like, lined <laughs> up, and it's just like a park. That was that was the Mountaineer Stadium. And, it's just crazy. Um, at one point, I think, it was, I think it was when Oliver Luck was still the AD here, it was pretty much like, hey, we're either going to pour a lot of money and a lot of effort into this baseball program, or we're going to lose our baseball program. We're going to be like Iowa State. We're yep. not going to have a program. And credit to Oliver Luck and uh, finding Ray- Randy Maisie. I um, believe he was a bench coach for TCU at the time. And Maisie's just, he's really turned it around. That Maisie ball style really works. Um, yeah. I don't think. And he's recruited t- to it. He's yeah. recruited players oh, yeah. that fit in it so well, like yeah. Weatherholt, like Victor Scott, like Austin right. David that we've seen right. just in the past he, few years. He finds his guys. And McGuire Holbrook was really good last year, but he's not exactly that Maisie ball type guy. So when you lose a guy that hits 350 like that, they're not losing much. Like I can think of Matt McCormick for Xavier as well. He's a big slugger good home run hitter but just because you lose him it doesn't matter that much because he goes out and gets guys that can replace him um and get steals and 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 push the ball forward with a bunt um but looking at this year i mean the big 12 is really good they're about to play at stillwater at oklahoma state that's going to be tough they're going to play tcu at penn state as well for a non-conference midweek game about to play uh, tcu in late april um, I don't think they'll host a regional, but I do predict that they'll get in and make some noise in that first regional, and I could see them advancing to supers. Nah, I could definitely see that, you know, and to go back on what you said about the players, like the mix of players that Maisie has brought in for this team, I think we failed to mention somebody that fits kind of, because I feel like Maisie goes for the guys that could steal bases and and are great contact guys, but then he also goes for those those power guys you know what I mean like yeah. like like you said Holbrook I thought of Holbrook more as a power guy rather than someone that would have a high on base right. percentage so the person that really connects my mind is Parkersburg West Virginia legend Grant Hussey Grant Hussey has been really good here lately got off to a shaky start um, you know Mountaineer fans kind of know what you get with uh, with Grant Hussey the best way to describe him is is the WV version of Joey Gallo he's a big lefty big slugger uh, when he's making contact with the ball 
you better watch out because mm-hmm. he's going to pull it the right. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, he had a home run against Kansas State that he took the opposite way. But um, And he had a home run against Marshall right. uh, just yesterday. If he puts the barrel on it, it's going to go far, but he does strike out. Um, you know, you know what you get there. He's, you know, his average isn't going to be amongst the highest on mm-hmm. the team, but he's played really well since that Kansas State series. They go down there in Manhattan and beat a good Kansas State team who, by the way, was top 10 in stolen bases in the country just right behind the Mountaineers. Um, so to win two out of three against the, the Wildcats was good, um, and it's good to see Hussey get going. Um, he's a Parkersburg legend, but <laughs> a Parkersburg South legend, not Parkersburg High. Yeah, I am a graduate of Parkersburg High School, and if we have some West Virginia listeners, which I'm sure we will, West Virginia, Ohio area, I think the Parkersburg, Parkersburg South rivalry is very well known in the area. So uh, yeah, it's one it's one of the biggest rivalries in the state, and uh, Hussey did did graduate from Parkersburg South, but no love lost here because he's been a great player for the Mountaineers, and I, I'm glad to see him in the Golden Blue. So, uh, anyways, we're gonna switch gears here now and get into our MLB. But we have one hot topic we want to talk about before we get into just the general opening week, I suppose. Um, last uh, last week, I believe it was the or that was this later earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. It was the Tuesday matchup, I believe, right between the Atlanta Braves and St. Louis Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um. Great. So the uh, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I didn't really watch much of this game because it it, it, it was a bad series for the Cardinals. I, I'm just gonna be honest. Three zero sweep at home to the Braves. The Braves have been awesome. We'll talk about them plenty t- today, I'm sure. Um, but basically the 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 Cardinals lost four one to the Braves at home on Tuesday, and Tyler O'Neill was gunned down at home due to a lack of effort according to manager Oliver Marmel and after the game Marmel kind of ripped Tyler O'Neill the outfielder for the Cardinals a new one uh, talking about how his lack of effort and how we're not going to have that the Cardinals and then he was benched the following game against the Braves on Wednesday so I don't know uh, what do you guys think of Marmel how he how he handled it and how O'Neill responded because O'Neill also spoke in the press conference Mm -hmm. after so how do you guys think of how that whole situation went down? Well, when when I actually went and I looked at the video and whatnot, I mean, it was because he's a fast guy. He's not known to be this slow dude yeah, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the video, you can tell that he he clearly wasn't giving his best effort, right? And then when you kind of dig a little deeper, you find out that you know he has had uh, various you know leg problems before, and one of the main reasons why he's probably why that happened is he might be trying to prevent you know something something happening. That's a good point, right? Um, now, in terms of how it should have been handled, it, it probably could have been handled a little bit differently. You know, I mean, I don't know why Marmel couldn't just have you know closed the office door and said, "Hey, listen." You know, you got you got you got to pick it up a little bit. And that's what O'Neill was saying in no, his I press mean, conference. O'Neill was like, "This could have been handled in house." Yeah, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. Um, go yeah, ahead. yeah, yeah, and go ahead. Yeah, here's my my take on on the situation. You know, watching the video, he did not round third, going full speed no, at all. He didn't, he, and going nowhere close to it. So I just I, I do believe that he deserves maybe just one game of, of being benched, and that's fine. Oliver Marmel is a good manager. But I am with Tyler O'Neill and saying that should have been that should have been a conversation had in house instead of going to the media and kind of making them look bad. It kind of reminds me of Tony Larusa, uh, just kind of going to the media and ripping um, your mean Mercedes a new one, and, and then he his White Sox career just fell apart after that. I don't think managers should go to the media um, and address it to the media before they address it to this person. Um, 
an instance I can think of where it's handled better. Let's go back to, I think it was a year or two ago, Gabe Kapler, manager of the Giants. Um, he went out to get one of his relievers. I, I believe it was Zach Little or Littell. Um, and Littell just kind of like threw the ball to him, tossed it, and had a couple words for him. Made him look oh, bad yeah, in front that. of everybody. Okay. Yeah. And instead of, you know, pulling him back on the mound and ripping him a new one in front of everybody, yeah. uh, when he got back to the dugout, he said, you know, let's go to the clubhouse and let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. And he probably ripped him a new one a little yeah. bit like a manager should. But, but I feel like that would be the right way to handle yeah, it in that situation. He did it behind closed doors. Especially in the middle mm-hmm. of the game. And so I, I believe Ty- Tyler O'Neill is right in saying that, you know, it should have been handled in-house, but at the same time, he didn't hustle very well. I don't think he should have said that to the media. I, I believe he should have just kept that to himself. And, you know, hopefully at this point he's had a call, conversation with Marmol and said, hey, man, like, you know, I wish you would have just talked to me before the media. And hopefully they can move on from it. And it, it doesn't spiral like that Your mean Mercedes incident uh, where he basically retired and said, I'm, I'm done and, and all mm-hmm. this. So hopefully they can get back on track. It's too early in the season to, to have these incidents be it, happening. It's it just – this is besides all of the examples you gave. This is just so different because you have, of course, you'll have players out there who won't give your hundred percent effort, but you will never have. I don't think I've ever seen, uh, like it going to this extent where like a manager will call. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is. This I mean, Marble was Marble is has great history. He's a great yeah. manager, mm-hmm. and I have nothing against him, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't go directly at a player in the media. And I mean, Marble's been outspoken. Uh, about players, about lineups, about whatever it may be, but I, I this is just not the route you take. No, it's not. And uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm a Yankees fan, so I've seen plenty of times where John Carlos Stanton will hit a grounder, and you <laughs> should see him trying to run out a ground ball. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, he he puts you know no effort into right. it. But I mean, nothing. Maybe maybe something should be said, but it's not like Aaron Boone's going to the media and calling them out about it. You know, I mean, yeah. it's a little bit different story because you know, I mean, he's a big time, big time player. And same whatever, with but. same with Manny Machado. Uh, there's been plenty of instances yeah, where yeah. he does not run out of ground ball. Um, you know, and if you got a good ma- manager like Bob Melvin, if it really bothers him, he's gonna you know he's gonna call him into his office or call him into the clubhouse. It's not gonna be something he goes to the media about. It's not gonna be something he rips a new one while cameras are on them. Yeah, definitely. And and I guess we can we can change gears here a little bit, but I mean, I just wanted to mention how I I think the Cardinals this is something that they should just <laughs> that's something that like like you guys said, hopefully they've had a conversation by now. That would be really bad if they haven't because I mean, you can't have that manager player disconnect. I mean, I'm I'm a coaching minor. This is a little bit off topic, but it'll, I'll get around to it. I'm a coaching minor. We've learned about how to handle situations with players, parents, whatever else in my coaching classes. And, you know, a manager being a coach for those players, even at the professional level, they still have to hold that respect. And I feel like that's kind of a lack of respect to Tyler O'Neill bashing him to the media like that. Right. And if there's not been a conversation by now, there's just going to be so much built up tension that you don't like work, man, we're in April. Um, You know, when you get to, I mean, this is a long, grueling season. You know, you get to the dog days of June and July, and if there's still tension at that point, and any little bit of tension, man, you'll see it. You'll see yeah. it on field. You'll see it amongst more than just one player, more than just Tyler O'Neill. You'll you'll see that camaraderie start to be broken, and I, I don't think that'll happen. The, the Cardinals are historically known for being a good franchise, good ownership, uh, good managers over the years, Mike Matheny, Tony Larusa back before he was, um, you know, washed. Um, <laughs> and and so, so I think they'll get this taken care of. Yeah, they just need to... 
not I guess to get like, out of hand. Yeah, just squash right. it like a bug, yeah, move past on. it, yeah. and and just play the rest and play ball. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's the only thing I can give give the topic. And um, I mean, uh, we can keep it on the Cardinals here a little bit because I want to talk about some rookies. We've seen some rookie debuts this season that have been impressive, maybe not so impressive. Tyler has an opinion on Anthony Volpe, the starting shortstop now for the New York Yankees. But also, I want to talk about Jordan Walker for the Cardinals. He's played very well in right field. He has a three thirty three batting average. He's had 10 hits so far, 8 hits, excuse me, so far this season. So he, he's played pretty well out there. Well, he, here's the thing. I, I'll, I'll get to his play before I say this, but I heard about Jordan Walker, you know, and, well, the main reason why I heard about him was because of the, uh, you know how we all play the show, right? Yeah, of course, that yeah. His card came out, whatever. <laughs> but I never noticed how big of a human being that guy is. When Six that foot video, five. Yeah, when that video came out of him uh, getting told that he was going to get called up, like the camera angle was kind of like right beside him, <laughs> and he stood up, I was like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, he, that, he made Marmel, uh, to speak on him again, we made, he made Marmel look yeah, tiny. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Yeah, you know? he is ginormous. Yeah, he's, Athletes, he's, baseball players are evolving. Look at O'Neal Cruz at 6'7", at a shortstop. Like, he's no DH. He's no corner yeah. outfielder that can't cover much ground. He's a shortstop. Jordan Walker, well, he plays third base right now. He's in the outfield because of Arenado. But yeah, of this course. is a guy that can play the infield and has a good pedigree in the minors um, and in high school at third base. I mean, you got guys like Aaron Judge who are six foot seven, borderline six foot eight. Athletes are evolving, and man, I really like what I've seen out of Walker. First homer yesterday. Yeah, um, I forgot kinda, to mention that. Yeah, kind of had to That's get awesome. down to a knee almost on it. Gave me a little Adrian Belt, Adrian Beltre vibes. Uh, <laughs> I like his swing. Um, and he's got eight hits already, so that's better than about anybody on the Red Sox. <laughs> I mean, just like besides Adam Duvall. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, though. Duvall. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought I thought that guy hit two fifteen on the season. And <laughs> let me get this across: I still think he'll hit two fifteen on the season. <laughs> but he is off. To hey, a we have side. that on the we have that on the board. Keep that for later because okay, okay. that's in the queue for later. Talk about some players that may, uh, <laughs> what's the word, decline as the season goes on. He's just not an average guy. We'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll bring it. We'll bring Adam Duvall back. But yeah, he'll be but, back because he's played really well to start this season. But in terms of. Um, in terms of uh, Jordan uh, Walker, I haven't got to see a whole lot of his at-bats, maybe only, you know, a handful. But from what I've seen, it, he tends to make decent, you know, pr- pretty good contact on the ball. And he doesn't really look like he's afraid, you know, to get in there and, you know, do something right. uh, productive for the Cardinals. You know yeah. what I mean? He looks natural. There's no, yeah. there's no real, um, you know, there's no real transition there there's no like struggles thus far I mean it's a long season like I said um so you'll see some rookie mistakes and you know he'll have to adapt to pitching but he he doesn't look like he's uh missed a step any we can move on to some other rookies here in the MLB that made their debut including you know let's let's do first Volpe uh Volpe has played good in the field and Tyler has an opinion about his batting average which has been below 200 so far so I want to hear what he has to say go ahead well um, well, first of all, I think it's just absolutely cool and amazing that he's in the majors. You know, mm-hmm. I grew up in New Jersey, and he went to Del Barton, uh, and that's us two West Virginia kids have no idea what you're talking about. But I, go ahead. I know, but uh, <laughs> but um, it's it's fairly close to my house, and it's just cool to see you know a hometown kid. You know, this was his dream to play for the Yankees, and yeah, they like he's they. Doing it. I watched one Yankees game with you um, mm-hmm. earlier this week, and or last week, excuse me, and. They showed like a whole like kind of feature package on the yeah. TV about uh about him 
Take, well, he took a picture with Derek Jeter, right? Back yeah. when Derek Jeter yeah, played he, for the Yankees. Yeah, he went to some like um, uh, it looked like a clinic or something. Yeah, something like there. that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a cool, it's a cool background, definitely. It, it is, but um, so like you said about the batting average, he's hitting one seventy six right now, and you look at that on paper, and yeah, you know, it's not the best, but I've seen um the majority of his bats at bats so far, and when you look at him, he is extremely patient at the bat like extremely patient he'll take pitches i mean he will really really work the count and he'll put the ball in play and sometimes it's not you know it doesn't work out won't be a hit or whatnot but that's why i'm saying like the 176 i don't think it shows you the hitter that he is he's a tremendous hitter he's patient um i just think it will take some time for him to you know find the open field and get hits but he i mean he's really really patient at the bat and at bat and I that's what I really think I appreciate the most and you know before Aaron chimes in real quick I just want to say that I think the best thing you can expect from a rookie is for them to put the ball in play because you don't want to see a rookie striking out especially striking out looking because that just means they're scared and I haven't seen that from Volpe or really any of these rookies we're going to mention you you just want them to put the ball in play because eventually once they refine those skills those are going to go in the gap those are going to go bloop into the outfield and it's just going to get better. So, yeah, Aaron, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, even as a Red Sox fan, I like what I see out of Volpe. And um, I, I watched that opening day game against the Giants and Logan Webb. He got on base with a walk, and he is just ready to steal. They threw over a couple times on him. Like, it was almost like Dave Roberts in the 04, um, you know, ALCS. They know he's going. They know he wants to go. And they still can't do anything about it. And, you know, there's a conversation there about bigger bags, and we can maybe have that later, but Volpe looks... That's next on the queue. <laughs> he's very, you know, that's that's part of his game plan, and just because he went from double-A or triple-A all the way up to the major leagues, starting shortstop for the Yankees, that's not going to change his game plan. He wants to be going. Um, I could definitely see him being the infield version of Cedric Mullins, get a 30-30 season here in a few years. I mean, I don't know how much power is in that bat. Tyler, you probably know that more than me, but... It's really a great story, even though I'm a Red Sox fan, like I said. Um, it, it, it gives Derek Jeter vibes. I mean, Derek Jeter uh, grew up in, what, Kalamazoo, Michigan, mm-hmm. but he's from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his dream, born there, yeah. dream was to play for the Yankees. His uncle and his parents like the Yankees. Um, and look at Volpe. From New Jersey, Yankees fan, idolized Derek Jeter, and here he is starting at shortstop on opening day. I yeah. couldn't get over that. That's, that's awesome. awesome. I knew, really crazy story. I knew he had made the opening day roster. I'm like, okay, that's cool. He probably I didn't realize he was going to start. Yeah. I had no clue. You're watching the game, and he's jogging out to shortstop at Yankee Stadium on day one, opening day, with Garrett Cole on the bump. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I thought it would be IKF starting somewhere around there. Well, well, I I mean, mean, you could make that argument, of course, but, I mean, his spring training was ridiculous. The reason I I mentioned that is because Tyler has an opinion on IKF. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I, I think generally <laughs> Yankees fans do have, you know, an opinion with him. <laughs> but um, but any but anyway, I, I think that, you know, it's just tremendous what he's doing. You know, I think, you know, everyone from New Jersey who's a Yankees fan is happy for him. And I think generally the baseball community thinks that this is... Yeah, I think that's a general consensus among yeah, us. I mean, definitely. we are really, really glad to see a guy... It's kind of like whenever you see those stories, I, I always I always see them in the NFL, like uh, especially for the Cowboys. Um, who was it? I can't rem- I can't remember exactly the player. There was a player for the Cowboys, Young Gun, and he had wanted to play for the Cowboys his whole life. They talked about it on TV on primetime sometime last season, and that kind of reminds me of those, one of those kind of stories. And you always love to see those in sports because yes, it's li- it, it'd be like one of us growing up as a fan and going and playing for our favorite <laughs> exactly. team. So. Yep. 
yeah, it's, it's really awesome. I, I want to talk about some some Orioles rookies real quick. I got two in my mind. Uh, Gunnar Henderson has not played super great in the, st- in the stat category. And I especially want to talk about Grayson Rodriguez. He just got called up from AAA or AA? AAA. AAA? Okay, I yeah. thought it was AAA. Yep. And in his first start, he had a 360 ERA, and he struck, struck out five. So a um, couple, couple of young guns for the Orioles. I mean, you know, they, they had a below-average squad last season, but I think they definitely got a group that could do something in the wild card maybe this year. I, I, depends on what you guys think of them. Absolutely. I am a big, big Adderley Rushman supporter. Mm-hmm. Is, he, is, is this still considered his rookie season or no? I'm not sure. He came up I, I around. think it all depends on you know at bats, right? He came um, up around halfway point last year. Yeah, I, I mean, let's just say he's not a rookie. He, yeah, you know, he's a second year. He is amazing. He's mm-hmm. a switch hitter with power on both sides. He's a good defender. Uh, you, you can tell he's a clubhouse leader. I mean, I mean, yeah. did you see him yesterday with with Grayson Rodriguez? He's really pumping him up, um, and he absolutely killed my Red Sox on opening day, <laughs> but. He is a member of my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> he, he's a hit machine. He can find the gaps. And and he tackled Christian McCaffrey in a college football mm. game. So, I mean, that, he, that's a really good nugget. He, he is unbelievably <laughs> versatile. Um, so I could see them sneaking in a wild card. Maybe not this year, but yeah, I, maybe they're, next year. They're like a team that's like there. It's just you got to wait. Pretty much, one like yeah, you, a, that's every sport. They have a very that. bright future. Yeah, you know? and I'm a so. big Cedric Mullins guy. I love Cedric Mullins. I love his swing. Isn't he also on your fantasy team? He, Cedric yeah. Mullins is also on the Charleston Alley Cats. <laughs> you know, I, I offer this man ten dollars to give so I could have him, but no, I, yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, it's Aaron turned down a fantasy trade. Can, you, do we, can, we, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Well, listen to this. He wanted straight up Cedric Mullins for Kyle Schwarber, and I yeah. like Kyle Schwarber. I really do. Schwarber's had a tough start, but he, well, he hits bombs, but, yeah. but like like Joey Gallo and Grant Hussey for WV, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get strikeouts. Uh, he's going to strike out often, and yeah. in our fantasy league, you get punished for strikeouts. Yeah. Negative Mullen, one point for strikeouts. Cedric Mullins so. like isn't Tony Gwynn out there, but he doesn't strike out nearly as no. much. He can hit homers. Already has had a 30-30 season. He steals bases. The bags are bigger now. He's going to steal more, um, and he he tried to give me. He tried to give me Schwarber straight up, and then he's like, "Listen, dude, I'll give you ten bucks and Nathan Evaldi." <laughs> yeah. I'm like, "Nope." I tried. I, I was being really impatient. Um, I learned my lesson. Yeah, we're, right we're now gonna, we're gonna move on. So right now, well, hold up. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant for me. I'm gonna move on. Right so, now in our fantasy league, but, Tyler is in jail. He's made too many yeah. moves. Hey, I'm also in jail now. Yeah, we're well, both in jail. Well, listen, I tried <laughs> to tell him. I mean, it's MLB. It's a long season, and you yeah. gotta see how your guys play out. And he, I mean, somebody had a bad game, he dropped them. Yeah. Somebody had a bad game, he dropped them. I um, had absolutely yeah. no faith in Christian Yelich. He stole <laughs> my team. But well, Zach, you did the same thing. Josh Naylor, one bad day, he dropped them after opening day. I mean, okay. <laughs> come on. That's hey, a good bench Hey, bat. just so everyone out there knows, it is my first season of fantasy baseball ever. I, I mentioned in the in the, the pre-show here a little bit that I had a... Um, that I had just gotten into baseball like a year and a half ago. Yeah. So this is my first season playing fantasy yeah. baseball. I'm learning the ins and outs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not innocent either. I mean... Starting pitchers give us a lot of points in our league, and uh, I had pitchers pick- are tough, dude. They are. I had yeah. picked up Johnny Cueto because he was on the bump, and I didn't really have many other good options. He goes out there and gets rocked by by the uh, <laughs> Twins. I'm like, no, <laughs> you are not pitching another game for the Charleston Alley Cats. You're done. Um, so I guess I'm not innocent either. We got a short leash for these fans. We, we really do. It's, <laughs> it's a 162 game season. I think we need to chill out a little bit. Yeah, but um, I mean, Rushman's been batting 296. He has he only has eight hits through the first six or so. Have they played five or six games of the Orioles? They've played six already. Yeah, yeah, I think everyone in the league's played six. Yeah, everyone in the league has played yeah. six. This is this was a good time to start because. 
a lot of teams aren't even playing today. There's just, there's only a few games on today. So yeah, um, Rushman's been playing good. I, mean, I don't I don't know if we can consider him the rookie, like you said. Um, in my mind, I kind of feel he's a second year. Is that how you? Is that the same guy that you guys are thinking? I don't know. I'll look it up and I'll report back to you on it. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's really young. Didn't play. He did not play the full season last year. I mean, he's basically a rookie. Yeah, and and Henderson, we can talk about him because he is a true rookie. He's batting 125, well, only one RBI, two hits, and 16 at bats. Not a good start for him. But the Orioles are young, like we said, and they've got plenty of time. I, I like the group they have. I really do because. I'll be honest, last season, I did not know the Orioles roster. And now that I know the roster a lot better, they got a good group. Yeah, they do. And so looking on baseballreference.com, Adley Rushman played 113 games last year. I think that's enough to consider yeah. that his rookie yeah, season. Yeah, so he's definitely. a second year. He's a, he's a sophomore, if you will. Um, but, man, uh, I mean, he's got a TikTok, and he'll post some, um, some off-season <laughs> videos of him just kind of at Oregon State um, swinging, swinging the lumber, and oh my goodness, the sound off the bat. Yeah, oh, I've it's, seen those videos. The, yeah, it's a, it's amazing. It's, it's beautiful. It's I saw, truly beautiful. I saw like an Instagram page of um, what are they called? They're called like the Bat Guys or something like that. I, I the name slipped my mind, but they post like uh, Instagram videos with like minor leaguers or even major leaguers or former players and stuff. And they brought on Adley Rushman. This was just like a one-minute Instagram video, and Rushman's swing was amazing. The sound off the bat is yeah. it is just beautiful. Um, you can't teach that. And to do it from both sides of the plate, with pop at both sides of the plate, with contact at both sides of the plate, at the catcher position, where, like, let's face it, guys, outside of JT Real Muto and maybe a couple others, there's, there's not, not a lot there. There's not, I'm um, Salvi, I guess, uh, has been consistent over the years, but there's not many catchers that can put together power and contact. I mean, look at a guy like, I mean, there's a couple guys that can get it over the, the wall, like, you know, maybe a couple years ago, Mike Zanino, but man, he can't, he can't. Uh, he can't hit his weight, Harley. So um, mm-hmm. th- to get that from both sides of the plate, to get, um, you know, and he can also play defense. He's almost like a four or five tool catcher. I think he's going to be really, really special. I guess this is the uh, Baltimore Orioles podcast now, but we, we will move on to something else. Um, I, I do want to talk about, you mentioned Mullins and the stolen bases. You know, we've seen the first six games of the new rules here in the MLB season with larger bases um, only two throwovers, which I think I've seen can be a little exploited. Um, EX Ronald Acuna in that one game where he got a free steal off of, uh, can't remember the pitcher, but he got a free steal because he'd already thrown two pickoffs over to first. So, you know, let's just talk about these new changes, what we've seen. We saw it, we all watched the opening day game, so we got to see it live in action first off. Um, you know, what what'd you see so far? What'd you like or what'd you dislike? Well, you know, it, the, my first impression with the... Um Pit, um, I forgot to mention the pitch clock as well. That, that, that's the, the other big little change. Yeah. Um, you know how you know that has to do all with you know the time of the game and whatnot. At first, I was like, you know, I don't like this because baseball is so unique because it's the only sport really out there that doesn't have a clock at all. And I was like, well, this is going to ruin it, you know. But um, you know, I think it's actually you know an amazing thing because you could sit down and watch a baseball game and. You know, we've we've watched a lot of it so far, and I think what was it like the average is like maybe like two hours and forty five so minutes or something. So like I, I I had a feeling you were going to get to that, so I brought up Jeff Passan's tweet where he brought up the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, comparing twenty twenty three to twenty twenty two, an average twenty twenty two baseball game was three oh nine in the MLB, three mm-hmm. hours and nine minutes, and the average time of game for twenty twenty three games so far is two hours and thirty eight minutes. So that's a yeah. big. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, over 25 minutes uh, and then, change. And then didn't um, 
was it? it was yesterday, right? Sandy Alcantara, he threw a complete game in yeah. a ridiculous amount of time. Yeah. First one, the only one in the MLB so far this season. Under two hours. Under two it? hours, yeah. It was something right? ridiculous like that. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. Under two hours? Yeah, yeah. It was something ridiculous. Yeah, he yeah. shot out the Twins? Yeah, right? I think it was, Twins I think in it was under two hours. How about that? Is crazy. How about being a Twins fan, Th- showing up the Lone Depot <laughs> ballpark, spend your good hard-earned money, yep. and you're there, did, and you're you're out in under two hours, and your team didn't even score. I mean, out. did he have any immaculate innings? I feel like he would have. No, mm, no. Wow, that that, that is really, crazy. Yeah, yeah, he works fast. You know, something else I wanted to mention. I'm I'm reading the rest of Jeff Passon's tweet here. The batting averages are up two thirty to two forty five comparison to each year. Um, at this point in the season, there's 70 stolen bases on 84 attempts, which compared to at this point last season was 29 of 43. So big changes. See, as a baseball fan, that's what I like is the bigger bases. I like um, that rule too. You know, it's a little tougher for, for catchers back there and for, and for pitchers, but you know what? The pitchers kind of dominate the game. Like, you know, the game Sometimes is Sometimes they can. The, do- the game is in their hands a lot of the times. And like, I feel like stealing in general over the last 10, 15 years has become not obsolete, but it's like, man... You want to see more excitement there. You got these these flashy players like Ronald Acuna Jr. and you know Fernando Tatis when he comes back from suspension, and they got speed. Cedric Mullins as well. Trey Turner. You want to see more of it? Like, let's look at this record. I mean, this is Ricky Henderson, and like, so you're. It's almost like Cal Ripken's streak. Like, you're, you're never going to touch this. But he had 1,400 stolen bases. The active leader, right now, in steals is Elvis Andrews, who has played 15 years. And he has 1,100 less stolen bags than that. And he's the active leader. That and I, I get it. Just insane. I get it. It's Ricky Henderson. He had multiple years of putting up 120 uh, stolen bags per year. You're never going to see that again. But with the bigger bags, maybe you can kind of usher in a new era of, hey, stolen bases are going to be here. They're going to be here to stay. And, you know, picking off and throwing over four or five times in that bat is not going to happen. You get two moves. And if you don't get them on the third, it's a balk. Um, so I think there's going to be more steals. And that's going to make the game a little bit more fun. And, you know, we saw Ronald Acuna Jr., like you mentioned, he kind of exploited that rule, that two pickoff rule, because he was like, they threw the first pickoff, they threw the second one. And in his mind, I mean, I saw a video about this, in his mind, he's like, they're not going to throw over here again. I mean, (laughs) like if they throw over here again and they don't get me, it's a bulk, so I'm just going to take the chance and and go for the steal. That's exactly what he did, and he was in free of charge. Right, and that's why I like, I mean, going back to WVU baseball real quick, the Maisie ball, I mean they don't have that that rule they'll throw over five six times on jj weatherhill mm-hmm. but that doesn't change their game plan he's still going yeah um and yeah. there was one time where like they threw over five or six times i think it was xavier yeah. and like i think it ended up being a double play because he took off that's just unfortunate but like that didn't change his strategy he's still going and hopefully um a team can kind of build around speed like that um like i know the braves they have acuna but you know they're kind of built on power too with olsen um, and, and Austin Riley as well. So hopefully we, you know, here soon we can see a team that's truly built on speed that has a guy like Acuna um, that can hit and hit with power and get on base and steal, but then maybe have a couple guys like, I don't know, like Cedric Mullins who yeah. are like known for stealing Trey Turner. Well, Trey Turner's the batting king, but, you know, somebody that can get on base and like you know he's stealing. Yeah, this is why I think the Astros are so good because they've done a good job building. They have those speed guys. You think of Altuve, you think of, Maybe even I, I know Tucker Moore kind of hits power, but yeah, they have they, they have that good group, uh, that good mix, and defending World Series champions. So stealing bags is going to become more important. Absolutely, and you know, with all the new rule changes, like you know, I don't love the pitch clock, but I don't hate it as well. I think it's been okay. 
I tend to think you need to add five more seconds just you know just to give well, the batter a little. I would bit agree more with time. that. Well, speaking yeah. about that, did you see the whole thing with Manny Machado? No. Yeah. Oh, did he get he, out on one, right? Yeah, and then, well, he, the whole thing was, I mean, when you watch it, and, and I've heard that he, you know, he's very vocal about that. He just, he point, he does not like it, the, the mm-hmm. pitch clock and whatnot. Because and he has a big routine. He does. And yeah. I, when you're watching his, him about to, you know, take a swing, he's got, you know, one foot, he's, he's in the batter's box, and he's about, it looks like he's about to go in and take a swing, but no, he stops, and he's adjusting his gloves, and you're like, you know, what are you doing, man? You got to pit, and he, he strikes out because of it, yep. and then he, and then he complains, and he gets tossed. And the rule states that you yeah. have to engage with the pitcher yeah. at a certain moment. Mm-hmm. I think it's like eight seconds, right? Eight yep. seconds on the clock, yep. you have to engage with the pitcher, which means done with your routine, bat ready, looking forward at the pitcher, ready for the ball. And listen, yeah. I was like Tyler, like when I first heard it, it's like, man, you're 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 changing the pure game of baseball where it's untimed, mm-hmm. and and I still kind of believe that a little bit, but like, man. You could go back and watch some 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 games before the pitch clock, and there's so many guys that after every pitch or every second pitch, man, they're stepping out of the box for freaking 25, 30 seconds, you know, spitting in their batting gloves, adjusting their jock, and it's just like, man, come on, <laughs> I get in the box, and yeah. and so like a guy like Machado, he's really good. That's part of his routine. But hey, baseball is a game of adjustments. If you're gonna be that MVP caliber caliber player, he was, you know, almost the NL MVP. If you're gonna want to get that that all elusive MVP. You gotta adjust, and a player with his talent, you, you gotta adjust, and, th- and he's gotta do a better job going forward. Yeah, and I think something that kind of worries me though about this rule. I mean, I, I agree with the pitch clock rule for the most part. I do agree, or I do agree with you, Aaron, that it should be maybe five seconds longer. But something that kind of worries me is, you know, we see a lot of hit by pitch in the MLB. Of course, you see that in baseball everywhere. I've never played baseball, but. Um, if you have a 90 mile an hour, 95 mile an hour, 100 mile per hour pitch go right by your face and about hits you, that's going to be jarring for a player. And then they have to step right back in the box and get ready for another one. Mm-hmm. And that that I, I'm sure you guys can comment on this better than I could, but that just seems kind of a lot for a player to deal with all at once. I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying, but you know, I think that's they'll always be there. You know, getting hit by pitches and whatnot. But the the main thing about all these changes is that. I think it really quiets those people who say, you know, baseball is boring. I can't watch it because it's slow. All these changes. And that's it, the reason they made these changes. Yeah, that's exactly so people the wouldn't point. Say that. And you know what? I, I think it's it, it really has worked so far. And I mean, I've been in, I mean, I, I didn't I would enjoy it either way with with them or without them. But yeah, I, I really think that, you know, it, it keeps me engaged. And I think fans who are just starting to watch a game, it will keep them engaged. Um I'm just glad it's made of a notable, substantive, substantial difference, you know, because Mm -hmm. like when you see it in numbers, it's like, okay, these rules are actually making a difference. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something (laughs) you guys are going to roast me. I'm a NASCAR fan, of course, as well. And NASCAR, (laughs) NASCAR makes rule changes, but you don't see direct correlation, whether it's TV ratings, whether it's performance on the track. Now baseball has made these great changes. Yeah, but what what are those NASCAR changes? I mean, how much I mean, can you change? I mean, NASCAR changes the... rules week in week out, <laughs> and this is not a NASCAR podcast, so I'm not going to no. go into it. Yeah, no. I now, Zach, can I ask you a question? What's your favorite part of NASCAR? Is it when they go around the lap, or, or the <laughs> I other turn? Covered. Is it is it when they go around the turn, or when they go over the the other turn, or the other <laughs> turn? Which one's your favorite part? Uh, My favorite part. No comment. All right, back to baseball <laughs> because because I I. NASCAR is definitely one of those sports that is easy to make fun of from someone. 
I, I guess I've just been around it my whole life from my parents. Yeah, I so. mean, I'm from Southern West Virginia. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of NASCAR fans, but not in my community. I never grew up around really anybody that liked it. But yeah, we should yeah, move the, on now. <laughs> the point I was just trying to get at is that NASCAR <laughs> makes these changes and they don't lead to anything. But baseball has actually seen what's the word like uh, numerical difference, and that's something right. that uh, you don't quantitative. That was the word I was looking for quantitative difference, and that's something you don't see in a lot of yep. sports. So. Um, I think we're ready to move on. Let's let's talk a little bit about opening week, you know. Let's talk about some teams that have impressed and disappointed. You know, my Cardinals, we already talked about them. They lost in a 3-0 sweep to the Braves at home, starting out 2-4 and four in the year. You know, a lot of teams, the Yankees have been good 4-2 and two to start the year. Uh, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays are undefeated 6-0. and oh. The Atlanta Braves are 5-1 and one after that series win over the Cardinals. So let's just talk about teams in general. Uh, what has impressed you to start, guys? Um, let's see. Um... I'm going to go the Atlanta Braves. I mean, they've been kind of a power the last couple of years. They won the World Series, and then they came back, and, you know, Philly's, Philly's kind of trumped them there. But, um, man, look at their lineup. Like, Austin Riley, another member of my fantasy fantasy team, <laughs> by the way. He one hits, of the best lineups in the NL. He hits tanks. Two home runs already. Hit one 475 at Bush. That's ridiculous. Acuna was hurt during their World Series run. They still won the World Series. And he's back. He's hitting 364, two homers, and he's bringing that ex- excitement back. I love Matt Olson. Um, even though he's got that upright, powerful stance, he sprays the ball all over the place. And he gets on base. He, he hits the gaps, and he can also put one over the fence, too. And, like, look at Ozzy Albies. He's hitting 300 with three RBIs. He's at second base, and he's a switch hitter. And he only played 60, 64 games last year. That is a big get for them. Spencer Strider's been amazing. Yeah, because he got hurt like in June or yeah, he, in May uh, yeah. and was out Six, for the whole, pretty much yeah. the entire year. Yeah, so. 60 games basically. That's a huge loss. And like, I don't think people are talking about it enough. Dansby Swanson, he is a great clubhouse guy. He, he just looks good in yeah. the Cubs uniform. He does. It's natural. He, he does. It, it does. From that, I believe he grew up a Braves fan, won a World Series with them, big part of, of them, you know, kind of getting to where they are. And they lose him in, the, in free agency. And like, I know it's early, but like, they look really good without him. Uh, you know, I, I know that's a big loss, but you can't pay everybody. You know, they, they already gave a contract to Michael Harris. They gave a big contract to, to Austin Riley. They gave a huge contract to Matt Olson, and I think Acuna's due a payday soon. So you got to let somebody go. Um, and I guess the, I guess parting ways with Dansby wasn't the worst thing in the world. Orlando Arcia doesn't look too bad. Um, and man, good luck getting through that through that order. Yeah, I mean, you see that order, that's just a nightmare for a pitcher. But, uh, yeah, Tyler, what do you have to comment on a team that has been impressive to you so far? Well, I mean, um, right, the Rays. We could all say the Rays. Right? Yeah, I mean, I there's no there's no shame in all of us saying the yeah, Rays are very and, good right you know, now because they are. I'm, I'm comfortable now, like we said, it's 162 games. But, you know, they'll, they'll take the – I'm a Yankees fan. I'm completely comfortable with saying they will um, take the AL East by storm. You know, are you meaning winning the division? Yeah, they will. Really? Yeah, I think so. Now anything could happen, but I mean, they um, long season, like you said. It, yeah, we're only six games. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> so you you're know. telling me you're not picking Corey Kluber and the Red Sox to win the East? No, heck no. Corey Kluber's an ace. I don't know why you're saying that. Um, did I did I what, not hear I you like just like trash him and his yeah. one start he had? Hey, this is sarcasm. <laughs> Corey, <laughs> I know, hey, I know. I'm just hey, saying. listen, Corey Kluber was a great signing if you would have done it in 2017. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're, we're in 2020. You're a little late for that one. A <laughs> little bit late. Uh, so sorry, I, I, I had to throw that nugget. No, out. no, I just I don't know what kind of baseball you're watching, but <laughs> it, it's it, it's frustrating to go from from Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts to now your watch. I mean, you got you locked Tyler, out. Tyler, we Devers, knew this was coming. But, 
It, it just hurts, I'm man. Messing it hurts. I'm Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts, for all the listeners, yeah. were my favorite players. I bought an authentic Mookie Betts jersey for $260. Beautiful jersey, and, by the way. Hanging up in our apartment. Right. And within the calendar year, okay. he gets dealt and gets the deal that he deserved. And Xander Bogarts, I mean, I went to Fenway and watched him get three hits and a steal. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, you you bring up these stars and they win so much for you and, and they don't pay him. So... It, it hurts a little bit. But. You, you just got to, I don't know, you got to be patient with it. You know, there's some, right. th- this will, you know, I, I think this is the kind of thing that, you know, sometimes happens with teams, but, you know, you don't know what the future holds, you I, know, and, and I think you might be entering, the Red Sox might be entering a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a drought now. You know, maybe, who knows, but well, you just got, you got to wait a little I bit. Just you got to wait it out. I just don't understand, like, Heim Bloom, the GM, I mean, such an analytics guy. There's like 30 analy- analytics guys on the Red Sox staff, mm-hmm. and they're trying to save money, and, and, you know, they're analyzing these deals. Well, theoretically, this is a bad deal for Xander Bogarts. Yeah, it is a bad deal that the Padres gave him, but man, he's won two World Series for you. He's your leader. He's a fan favorite. He does it in the field. He holds his own, and he's an amazing bat. Like, you're the Red Sox. Give him that bad deal. You have the money. You have yeah. the resources. Mm-hmm. It's just getting frustrated. Same with Mookie Betts. Like, yeah, maybe 10 years, $350 million is a bad deal. Make the bad deal. You're the Red Sox. Like, he, he's going to play for you. They're going to be stars for years to come. And, yeah, so what if they decline when they're 36, 37? Like, you got the resources. You're not the Kansas City Royals. That's my piece on it. It's just a little bit of frustrating to watch Heim Bloom kind of wreck this team. And I think another interesting team, is um you know they they don't have the prettiest record but when you look at their hitting st- the Cardinals talking about the Cardinals when you look at their hitting stats thanks for the props they lead you're welcome um, <laughs> they, they they lead the MLB right now in um an average on base percentage and hits and they still and they still lost three games to the Braves exactly at home. What, all what you, by you, more than two runs but as a Cardinal what do you think what do you think about that as a uh, I mean I, I would say it's the best lineup in the NL and I I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not surprised by the hitting stats because mm-hmm. it's a great team. You know, yeah. Goldschmidt and Arnauto, that combo is great. And then they've got some great pieces around them. But it's just been the pitching. The pitching mm-hmm. has been poor. And, you know, when you you want a better start from, I mean, Flaherty, you have him on your fantasy team as well. <laughs> but didn't he have seven walks in his first start? And that's, yeah, you and just can't see that. I mean, I mean, well, well, the thing about that is, you know, as as we all know, he's been hurt for quite he a long has, time. He has, of course, and, yeah. You know, you don't expect someone like that to throw an absolute gem you know, you know, from coming off that kind of injury and whatnot. So I'm not surprised by the seven walks, but he didn't give up a single run, I'm pretty sure. I mean, besides seven walks. He didn't walks, have an earned run as far no, as he I never know. Run. Yeah. But besides the seven walks, it was a really good outing. I was impressed. It's just tough to see Montgomery in his first start did okay. Uh, Michaelis got a little beat up on opening day, and Flaherty did, did good. I mean, like you say, he didn't throw a gem, but you don't expect that on his first game back from a big injury. And... It's just the pitching overall, even the relievers, all the way down to the relievers. Uh, Helsey has been good, but guys like Hicks, Gallegos, they've come in kind of in that setup spot, and they've really blew some games. They've let the other team blow some games open is what I was trying to say. So the lineup's good, and the lineup is one of the best in the NL, like I said, but it's just you have to complement it with the pitching. It's it's an all-around game, I mean, of course. Right, and if they make a deal for a pitcher at the deadline, like I can see them – I think they'll they'll be just fine. I mean, look at that NL Central, the Reds, the Reds. Yeah, are the not Reds. a super competitive. The NL Reds Central. don't. The Reds ownership does not try to win. The Pirates ownership does not try to win. Now I like what I've seen from them. Brian Reynolds, very good. They got McCutcheon back and all that. But like in the long run, they're not going to be the best team in the world either. I like what I see from the Cubs, but like you know they're 
their their order. I do like Swanson and yeah. Bellinger. Those are good ads for they're them. They're not bad. And Jameson Tyone too. Yeah, him um, too, but like yeah. they're not the Cardinals. And then um and then you really just got the Brewers to fight with. So I, I think they'll be fine in the long run. And can we talk It's just about, really early. Yeah, yeah, it is. But let's I mean, staying on the NL Central, let's talk about the Brewers real quick. Yeah, they I mean, played so well. They swept the Mets. They killed the Mets in two of those three games. Beat around Scherzer. Um Brian Anderson is hitting like He's 500 or something 500, like that, right? 533. Yeah, yeah I, I thought I, I made a typo mm-hmm. there. I did not. 533. Mention your guy, by the way. With, I'll get there. Three, <laughs> three homers and 10 ribbies. So here's my guy that I'm putting you guys on right now, which it's probably not a hot take because if you've watched baseball the last two days, he's really good. Garrett Mitchell. So Garrett <laughs> Mitchell is from UCLA. Very good uh, contact bat, and he's got speed. He hasn't stolen a base yet. Um, but like the question marks when he got drafted in the first round out of UCLA, it's like, is there pop in his bat? Like, man, two home runs a couple nights ago and then a walk off yesterday. And he was sitting on waivers in our free, in our, uh, fantasy league. And I was watching that game and I told <laughs> myself, I'm like, if this, if Garrett Mitchell goes yard right here, I'm picking him up and dropping Oscar Colas from the White Sox. He went yard, so now he's a member of my fantasy team. That was a walk-off, right? It was, and it was a solo solo walk-off off off Adam Ottavino, and it wasn't a cookie down the middle. It was a slider. Um, It was in the strike zone, but it kind of fell to lower and near his hands, and he just went down and got it, man. Yeah, swept across the zone. He he went down and got it. He's a great athlete. Um, He is a type 1 diabetic athlete, and he's kind of beat that. That's been his story, and he was really good at UCLA. Um, he's got speed in the outfield too, so hopefully he can kind of pan out as a bench bat for me. And you know, that's a cool story uh, about Garrett Mitchell and the type 1 diabetes. I didn't know that. But, um, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about the NL, and I think there's a team that we need to talk about, the Phillies, uh, starting out 1-5. You know, Reese, Hoskin, Reese Hos- Hoskins. Wow, I can't get that name out. Reese Hoskins is probably going to be out for the season. He, he definitely will be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they've started out 1-5, and five, not great to start. I mean, like, it's early. We're, we're in the first week of the MLB season here talking on the first episode of the Dirty Jersey podcast. But it's they're 1-5 right now, so too early to sound the alarm. What do you guys think? Uh-huh. Go ahead, Tyler. Well, I'll bring it back to my main point. So 162 games. These guys, you know, they just were in the World Series last year. You know, it a one in a one in five start is really not that big of a deal. Yeah. In baseball, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. If you're playing football, you want to be concerned. <laughs> yeah. Baseball, no, that's not a big deal at all. It so, really isn't. So I'm not gonna sound off the alarm yet. I do think they'll make the playoffs, but I think there's gonna be a drop off. And obviously, no Hoskins for the year. No Bryce Harper till the All Star break. That's tough. It really is. But like, look at their key pieces without those guys. They still got good guys. Trey Turner. This isn't. This is an outlier to what I'm about to say because he is. Like, you're hitting King, he gets on base all the time, he steals, and he's got pop. But, like, look at Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. Like I said before, you know what you're going to get with them. They are going to strike out. Kyle Schwarber's going to strike out 100 times in a season and 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 not hit. He's probably not going to hit over 250. And Nick Castellanos, I got him having a little bit more of a bounce back year, but he's going to strike out too. Um, Bryson Stott has not shown that he's a big average guy. I do like him. He's got talent. Same with Alec Bohm, but, like, they strike out a lot. And when you don't have Hoskins and Harper, you're going to need some guys to, to start getting on base consistently that's not named Trey Turner. I, I totally forgot about Harper. Yeah, he's, he's not even playing right now. How long will he be out? Now, he's making good pro- progression. He had he had Tommy John, uh, yeah. Tommy John surgery, which is a lot better as a batter than a pitcher. Um, but he's making good progress. They gave him, I think, to the all-star break or maybe a little after, but then 
once spring training rolled around, they're saying he's making better progress and there's a possibility for him returning before the All-Star game. So you're basically looking at half the season either way. Yeah. I guess what I was trying to get at was, um, is there like any analysis we can pull on these first six games for the Phillies that you think could lead to, I don't know, maybe a decline season? Kind of like what Aaron said. Like you said, they're going to have a uh, worse season. So maybe, maybe build on that just a little bit. Yeah, and you know, just just the strikeouts, the punchouts. You you got to get on base more consistently, and you know, obviously pitching. But like, I'm not going to sound the alarm on that yet. Like Zach Wheeler, four and a third innings and, and four earned in his first start. I'm not yeah. sounding the alarm on that because like, pitchers give up four earned runs. It's baseball. That happens. Mm-hmm. Ka, you know, Zach Wheeler has amazing stuff. He he pumps gas and he's got good breaking ball action. Um, Taiwan Walker, like he's. I don't know if he's that great. So I think he needs to step up. Aaron Nola is a great pitcher. I'm not sounding the alarms I mean, on their pitcher. When you when you overall look at it, though, you know the stats. The majority of their um, their pitching, I mean, they've they've struggled. You know what I mean? I mean, the, their ERAs are like really, really high. All over, like all their starting pitchers are like over seven. Yeah, yeah, and um, their primary guys, you know, Wheeler and Nola. Yeah, and and I think it would have helped them at this point if they had, you know, one guy that had, you know, or two that had, you know, like a good quality start, but. Really, from majority part, top or bottom, they've just they they're not they're not doing it. And they got their first win. I think it was yesterday. They got their first win, I believe. On this, they they started uh, out zero yeah, and five and yeah. got their first win yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I guess this kind of leads in a little bit to my next topic that I want to talk about. Um, we're gonna make some predictions here because it's still early in the season, so we have a chance to make some project predictions. But the thing is, we gotta stick by them for the entire season. So <laughs> whatever we say here is something that. We're gonna have to stand with for the season. So uh, first off, let's just start. Let's let's do more specific with some players. Um, who are some players you think will excel this season? Maybe somebody that we talked about with that was surprising. Do you think they'll continue that success, or someone that you think may decline? Maybe we can start with Aaron. Mm. So I haven't really given a ton of thought for the AL, but like NL, there's so many good stars that are like have been on the on the cusp of an NL MVP. No one Arenado. I mean. He's going to go down as our generation's best fielder, and he's an amazing hitter. Doesn't have that MVP. Um, Manny Machado as well. Generational talent there. Um, but I'm going to go with a Padre, a Padre, but not Manny Machado and not my boy Juan Soto. I'm going to go Xander Bogarts. I love Xander Think Bogarts. he's having a good year this season? Right. No. And this is, not, this is not a bias because he's not a Red Sox. He's not a Red Sox anymore. But it's a big ballpark out there, and he's already got two bombs out there. And one of them was a breaking ball that he kind of had to go down and get. And it's like, man, he hit that out of Pecco. Um, you know, I just think that he probably wanted that big deal with the Red Sox. He said in an interview that before the season, last season, he kind of had a conversation with executives and he kind of saw the way they were going, which is being cheapskates now and, you know, overanalyzing deals. And he kind of played that last season with the Red Sox with the, you know, knowing that it's it might be his last go-around in Boston. And he had a great season for us. Um, so I don't think his career is going to have any kind of downward spiral just because he's playing in a bigger park in a different league with other guys around him that are potential MVP guys. I think that's going to help him. And, um, yeah, so give me Bogarts. Gotcha. Tyler, do you have any players that are sticking out to you right now? Um, well, I think, um, you know, a s- fairly safe pick for, um, I guess on the NL side is Luis Urias. You know, mm. if if you're a baseball fan and you tune into a Marlins game and he's starting, 
um, you could put money down that he will get on base for you. You know, that's a guarantee. Um, someone who I've, I've I've liked watching, you know, and is he is Nolan Gorman a second year guy, right? Yeah, he's a second year guy for the Cardinals. He plays mostly infield, but I, he's kind of those guy that, one of those guys that can play anywhere. Yeah, I mean, he's been you know last year. I don't think he did too much, right? But this year he's um, yeah he had a quiet year last year. Quiet, he had a quiet year, but uh, this year you know he's um, hitting well for you guys, like really well. Um, and he's kind of gone a, into that. Uh, that middle part of the lineup, like after mm-hmm. Goldschmidt and Arnado, and he he's gotten some chance to drive some runs in. So, mm-hmm. um, another guy that I've been extremely impressed with, and I think will have a huge, I think he'll have his best season, is Brian Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. th- this will hurt Aaron a little bit because he, you know, ki- absolutely killed the Red Sox in that series. <laughs> but um, you know, he really hits all parts of the field. You know, he could hit for average and whatnot, and, you know, I, I, he's been killing it, and I really think that he'll be up for some serious awards this year. Well, to your point about Brian Reynolds, I mean, like I said before, the Pirates, they it almost seems like their ownership doesn't want them to compete. They don't pay anybody, okay? With all the deals now, with all the hundreds of millions of dollars that go to these, like, guys that are good, like Michael Conforto and guys that are getting, you know, tons of money and they're not these A-list players, Brian Reynolds... Like he asked, I can't remember the numbers, but he asked for a deal that was something around 100 million or something, something that he was worth. And they were like, no. And it's just frustrating. I know the Pirates are small market. I get it. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like ownership doesn't want them to win. And he's playing this season like, hey, I deserve X amount of dollars. You know, give it to me or trade me to the freaking Yankees because that's the way he's swinging the bat. And I I really like it. Obviously, he hurt my Red Sox, but I like the chip on, on his shoulder that he's playing with. Yeah. I mean, he's like, and you can now, of course, it's completely different because the Yankees have, you know, this massive payroll and whatnot, but it's the same thing, you know, he's kind of, you know, proving, he's kind of putting, I don't say betting on himself, but he's saying, like you said, you know, if this is how much I think that I'm worth and I'll show you that this year. And that's what he's been doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's so, definitely done that. He mm-hmm. leads the league in home runs, I believe, at least as of my stats I checked earlier today. I, I, you guys can confirm that. I will get back to that. But I, I believe he leads the league in home run with four so far. Is that true? I think so. And I believe he hit one over the monster as a lefty. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, obviously, crazy. it's not a deep, um, you know, line down there. But like to get it over the monster, hitting opposite field, I've always thought that's impressive. The art of hitting opposite field is lost to some of these modern day players. But like at the same time, it's not to guys like Brian Reynolds and Juan Soto and guys like these that can spray the ball all over the field. So when I see a lefty uh, go yard over the monster, I always think that, that that's pretty darn impressive. And, and yes, he is leading with four right now. Okay, good. That's what I thought <laughs> yesterday. But anyways, um, mm-hmm. I, I just thought of something off the hip. I think this this will be interesting for us to pick. I think we could today, you know, just something that we can stick by the season, throughout this season, um, pick a team to come out of the NL and the AL. I think that's something that we could – I was going to do every division, but I think uh, I think we can limit it down to a team that you maybe think can make it out of – out of the corresponding leagues and make it to the World Series. So I, I, I'll start out. I know I know it's really early, and making these predictions is kind of wild, but I think it's something that we can come back to, maybe joke about throughout the season. So I, I, out of the NL, I'm picking the Braves. I think that's an easy pick, um, given how they've started and what they've done co- combining hitting and batting. And we'll talk about um, some of our fun awards we have saved after this. And I think for the AO, I'm going to pick the Yankees. And I think Tyler would like this answer. 
I think Judge is going to have a good year. I don't, I don't think 62 home runs is in the cards this year I, again. I, I think in the 50s. In the 50s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So. Yeah. But I think that whole lineup improved. And from what I've seen in the first few games, I think that whole lineup's improved. And you add Volpe, and you have a lot of guys there. And I think that's a good group. Um, you have Carlos Rodon is one, at least at least when he comes back. Is he still hurt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's gonna be he's gonna be out for a little bit. But that, yeah. that that's the only problem why I wouldn't say they're gonna win the AL is just like those injuries. You know what I mean? With like in terms of have to beat the Astros and, too in pitching. Oh, yeah, sorry. that too. No, <laughs> no, you're you're right. That, that's been a problem for you know the past couple of years, and you know it is annoying as a fan. But you know um, they're they're gonna be a good team. It's just as long as they can get their pitching back to full strength their hitting's not an issue it's not no nope. they, they really they rarely have any besides i mean D- josh Donaldson just got hurt you know last game he pulled something in his leg running first but besides that there really aren't too many problems with it it just comes down to pitching for them yeah so if it's not the yankees who do you have coming out of the al and nl this season um i mean like i said earlier before I could easily see the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, just top and bottom. They're pitching and they're hitting. It's elite, you know. Yeah, Rosa Rand has been crazy. It's unmatched, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, hmm. I don't, I don't, what do you, you what know? Do you I, think? I, I don't. <laughs> Let's see. So for for my thing for the for the AL, I think we I think um I think Tanner Lambert on Sports Night said it last night on the hockey segment segment talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning, like they do it every year until somebody dethrones them like I'm not betting against them and so that's my strategy with the AL like nobody likes them but like they've proven year in and year out they can do it the Houston Astros I'm not betting yeah. against them I'm not doing it Good point. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to win the World Series but um, Altuve's out right now but here in maybe a month he'll be back Michael Brantley West Virginia power legend Michael Brantley <laughs> is going to be back that's either. the first West Virginia yeah. power legend we've had of the day hey, there, there it there's is gonna be many more listen there are going to be <laughs> plenty more where that came from but anyway I mean he's very good he's on the IL and he'll be back probably within a couple weeks they have Jose Abreu now they're pitching they got Luis Garcia um and shoot what's the other guy I cannot remember his name for the life of me. Uh, Valdez, right? The pitcher's Framber Valdez. Framber yes. Valdez. Yes. yes. Okay. And then, I mean, Jeremy Pena showed what he could do as a rookie in the World Series last year. I don't think he's off to a super hot start World right Series now. MVP, though, right? Yeah. So. And then, I mean, Alex Bregman. Nobody talks about him anymore. He has been consistent ever since the 2017 World Series. Like, I know they, they cheated in 17, okay? But they're still really good. These are still, like, A-list players with Altuve and Bregman. Um, and they've done it for years now, and I'm not going to bet against them. As far as the NL goes, I could see two teams. Um, the Braves are just like like we said, like good luck getting through that order. Um, you got Strider there as well, Kyle Wright, Charlie Morton. Without the, Max Fried right yeah, now as well. Yeah, and they'll get Freed back too. I mean, not the best staff, but not not the worst either. I could see them going. Um, and just based off talent alone, so I don't think they'll make it because I think they need a couple more years of bumps in the road. The Padres are just so talented. Mm, Manny yeah, Machado was probably second in MVP MVP voting last year. Juan Soto is the best pure hitter in baseball. Bogarts. I mean, you got you Darvish, you got Joe Musgrove. I mean, that well, team is I, I think that's a breath, uh, a fresher breath, fresher breath. Right? Or am I saying breath, that? Breath, breath of fresh, fresh, air. fresh air. There we go. <laughs> that we can say now that you know the Padres can be an easy lock because for a while now I felt like every year it's been the Dodgers, the Dodgers, the Do- right? Cause yeah. yeah. We, we all know about how much they. You know, spend, same thing with the Padres. You know, they spend, but I, you know, they're a really just well put together team. I think there's you some know? good parity in the NL. Yeah, you know, what, you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. 
we saw the Phillies make it all the way to the right. World Series last season. Yeah. So there's some great parity in the NL. There's lots of teams that could get out. Right. And yeah, like I, I could see the Cardinals making out, making it out too. I could see the Mets making it out too once they get reinforcements with, with Verlander and once they kind of hit their stride offensively. I, you know, I'm, I'm not locking in the Padres. I'm not locking in the Braves. But, you know, you know, one week into the season, you know, that's, that's what I see. But I could obviously yep. see – um, you know the Cardinals making and a still run. change, of course. Phillies, so. Mets, and you know you could get a a surprise team like the Brewers. So you never know. Yeah, and I think this leads in perfectly. So here at the Dirty Jersey Podcast, we have an original segment for you all. We have our awards of the show. We have every week here on the Dirty Jersey Podcast, we will give out uh, awards ranging from the Golden Arm Award, the Wheelhouse Award, and the Bright Lights Award. Each of those being unique of each other. The Golden Arm, of course, is the best pitcher of the week, according to each of us. We will each have our own unique picks, of course. The Wheelhouse Award is the week's best hitter, and the Bright Lights Award is given to the week's best team here on the Dirty Jersey. So, Tyler, I'll, I'll let you start. Um, name off your three award winners for this week. Oh, okay. Well, um, now, I'm not being biased. I'm not. When I see a good mm-hmm. b- baseball player, I'll talk about him. I think my Golden Arm uh, this week is going to be Garrett Cole. Right. Um, now, the the thing about him is, um, you know, he's got that, you know, lights out fastball and whatnot, and that's really his go to pitch, and it's been working. You know, he's two and zero right now with a sub one ERA. Now it's early in the year still, but you know, it could be worse. Uh, Nineteen strikeouts, you know, but he um he's just that you know classic power pitcher, you know, and he's got that you know slider too, and I'm pretty sure he throws. I think it's a knuckle curveball, but it's a it's a curveball. But anything, anyway, everything's working out for him, and he's been you know amazing uh, for the Yankees. So that's my golden arm of the week. Um, Here, how about this? How about we do all of our golden arms, yeah, and then we'll head we'll back yeah. for your next award. Mm-hmm. So go ahead with your golden arm so award, Aaron. My golden arm. I I tried to stay away from like one big start, like one off the charts start, because it's one game. So I'm gonna go Dylan Cease. Um, he did not win the Cy Young last year, did he? Or did he? He did not. Yeah, so Ver- I, I Verlander, believe it was Verlander in the AL, right? Verlander won, Cease was two, and I think mm-hmm. Manoa was three. I mean, Who this, won in the NL Cy Young last season? Uh, Sandy Al- uh, Alcantara. Alcantara. Yeah, yeah, okay, go ahead. So Dylan Cease, man, he is a great pitcher. He throws very fast. He hits 100, I believe. He's got a great 12-6 curve, great movement on his pitches. Opening night at Houston. Houston's donning their gold trim jerseys, raising the banner. Minute Maid Park, kind of a launching pad in, in, in some aspects. Five innings pitched, one hit, one earned, eight strikeouts. He strikes guys out. Last year he had a 220 ERA with 227 strikeouts. And then, like I said, tried to go with a guy that wasn't just making one start. His second start against San Francisco, six and a third innings pitched, only two hits, another one earned run performance with 10 strikeouts. Give me Dylan Cease and give me him as a Cy Young this year. Well, speaking about Dylan Cease real quick, did you see that? I forget what broadcast. It might have been for either ESPN. I think it was ESPN. I was against the um, the Astros. They did a like a POV with the the ump cam, yeah. And Dylan Cease was pitching. I mean, it was That's amazing nasty. to see that. I mean, I can't imagine trying to hit that. Uh, good luck. Oh my goodness! You know, the I think you got to see his fastball and his curveball and whatnot. I mean, it's unbelievable. I don't know really how is. hitters do it. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how you can gear up for one hundred. And then see something that looks like it's going to be in the mid nineties, and it drops off the table into like the low eighties, yeah. mid eighties, even upper eighties. Like good luck in that. Yeah. So, uh, Cease has elite movement, elite speed, um, and he's starting to really put together the art of pitching. And so I really like him so far. 
So I kind of went in a different direction. You know, you said you tried to avoid a guy with with just one start, but I have seen too much from Spencer Strider and that one start that he did. And, you know, I, I this is kind of weird, but if I had to pick a second favorite team, I think it would be the Braves just because I fell in love with this lineup last season watching them, even though I was a Cardinals fan. I, of course, I'm a diehard Cardinals fan, but I love this Braves group and I love seeing Spencer Strider in his, he was a rookie last season, right? Yeah. 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 I love seeing him in his rookie year and he was chucking that ball and he was doing a great job. And in that uh, seven to one win over the nationals, he had a great start. No runs allowed. He struck out five, I believe. I had it up here. Just a second. Sorry. Uh, no, he struck out nines and he had a, um, in six innings, he had a, he had a great quality start there for the Braves. I know it's only, he's only one and only made one so far, but I think that would be my golden arm. And, you know, let's head into our wheelhouse award. Kyler, you go ahead. Go with the first one. I mean, we uh, we mentioned him already, but um, Brian Reynolds. You know, when you l- look at his stats so far, we've played six games, and he has a hit in every single one of those games so far. Um, you know, he's hitting in all directions of the park. He, you know, he's showing his power. Um, he's got, uh, what, four home runs, right? So yeah, leads the league with four, four home, home runs. runs. Um, you know, he's just absolutely killing it right now when he – you know, he looks unstoppable. Now, you know, it's baseball. I, I'm sure of it. He'll, you know, he'll weave in and out for him. He'll, you know, you know, he'll slump or whatever it is. But for right now, he is hands down the hottest hitter in the league right now. And it's um really fun to watch. It really is. Go ahead, Aaron. What do you what do you got for the Wheelhouse Award? Yeah, so I've already mentioned him, but Matt Olson right now hitting three oh eight, three bombs, seven RBIs, and just like you can't you can't give him enough credit for what he was brought into. I mean, Freddie Freeman was there for over a decade. He was the fan favorite. He, you know, no scandals, no, no, no anything. He was, he was your hometown guy. You love Freddie Freeman. Just won your World Series, and between ownership and agents and maybe a little greed, I don't know. I still like Freddie Freeman. He parted ways, and to bring in Matt Olson, and then they gave him a huge deal before he even suited up in the Atlanta Braves uniform. That's a lot of pressure for a guy that played for the Oakland A's, where there's, you know. 9,000 people showing up for your home games. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure, um, and he showed that he could live up to that last year. And like I said earlier, he's just he's he's got that upwards, upright, like stiff power stance, but like that doesn't eliminate him from from hitting all over the park. That doesn't make him Joe Gallo where he only pulls it to right field and he strikes out all the time. He's an elite hitter. Um, what he does works, and so he's my he's my wheelhouse for the week. Um, home run off Michaelis. I know he wasn't. You know, great in his start, but you know that's a talented arm in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, so give me Olson. You know, I want to speak to Tyler's point a little bit because if you had to pick a second hottest hitter, like you said, Brian Reynolds has been the warmest hitter in the league, and I think he definitely has. I got to go with Adam Duvall for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, because he's been batting four fifty eight through through the first um, six games, eleven hits, three doubles, three home runs, twelve RBIs, which that's definitely up there in the league leaders. Um, Duval has been crazy to start this year. I mean, OPS plus of 1.561. And I know Aaron doesn't like the, the nerd stats, but I had to bring that one up because that's, that's so high to start this nah. season and only 24 ABs. Yeah. There's nothing wrong but. with, with OPS. And I mean, to your point on Duval, like opening, opening day, Red Sox mounted a comeback, multiple guys on base for him to try to either tie it or win the game on opening day. And he struck out on three pitches, but then the next night he comes back and yes, the Orioles made a horrible blunder in the field to lose that game. But he had that opportunity again. You don't often see that. Opening day, you get that opportunity with multiple people on base in the ninth inning. He got that opportunity again, and he had already hit a home run, already hit a double, and he goes yard again. 
So that's big on him. Um, that's that's a big response, and I really like that. That shows that you know he, he's really you know clean slate. He's not letting one at bat or one instance mess him up. And you know he, he played for the Braves. He's good for for their World Series run, but last year he was not good. Before that, he played for the Marlins. You know they're uncompetitive or non-competitive rather. And and before that, with the Cincinnati Reds, non-competitive. So you know I know the Red Sox aren't the best team on earth. Not the best team on paper. No pitching. But I want to see them compete, and if Duvall is, is getting up there and he's not striking out 100 times a year, he's not batting 215, I'm happy. Yep, yep, definitely. And I like Duvall's spot in the lineup he's had so far, and he has been my wheelhouse of the week award. Now, Tyler, who do you got? You mean for the— Or sorry, sorry, for the next award. <laughs> the, sorry, that was my bad. For the next award, we have the Bright Lights Award because we already all mentioned our wheelhouse award. Brian Reynolds, Max, Matt Olson and Adam Duvall. Now we are on to the Bright Lights Award where we pick one team that we've liked the most so far as of the week, but this is the opening week of the season. So what team we've liked to start the season? And Tyler, you can go ahead with yours. Uh, I'm going to pick the Brewers. And um, I, I think they're really... Now, did I expect them to, uh, you know, get off to this kind of start? Nah, maybe not. I didn't expect them to be bad at all. But they're playing extremely well. I picked them to be second in that division on sports night. Yeah, so. that's, that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> to the but, Cardinals. Um, but, the, you know, the weird thing is when you look at their pitching, Corbin Burns is their guy. And he's had two starts, and he's given up 10 earned runs in those two starts. He's struggling. He's had zero rates like over 10 or something like that. But those the four other guys behind him have had his back, and they've all pitched, you know, six innings or so, and – I don't think a single one of them has given up an earned run. Maybe maybe a couple or whatnot, but they've pitched extremely well. They've been holding, you know, they've been holding their ground, you know, despite their ace not pitching well. And I think that's really, really worked out for them. And then, of course, you could talk about, you know, they're hitting with, you know, Brian Anderson and how he's been absolutely killing it. But um, I'm just impressed that, you know, going back to the pitching, you know, their, their, their ace is struggling and they're – the rest of their, uh, their pitching rotation is able to have his back and, um, you know, perform well. So that's my team of the week. All right, Aaron, who you got? I'm copying you. I'm going to the Brewers. I was going to go with the Braves, but, I, you know, I, I like that they swept St. Louis in St. Louis. That's big for me. But they also played the Nats. <laughs> the Nats are not good. They're not even close to good. And I think that's part of the reason <laughs> that why – I I don't want to spoil my pick, but none of us will be picking the Rays because yeah. I mean when you look at their schedule, they played a three game series against the Detroit Tigers, played a three game right. series against the Nationals. So. so like that's why I'm gonna go with the Brewers because like they beat such a talented uh, Mets team. They yeah, I forgot the, to mention I mean, that they beat them senseless, twenty six yeah. to six run dif- dif- differential wow. rather against the Mets, and they and one, had, one of those games, the second game was Scherzer. Right, Scherzer on Tuesday, five eight beat up Scherzer, five earned runs. Cookie Carrasco four innings pissed, uh, pitched with five earned runs. So that's a good team, and they started the year at the Cubs, and they beat them too. So give me the Brewers um, because of, of, of who they've beaten and how they have beaten them. All right. I, I will round out the award show here with the Atlanta Braves. That will be my team I'll pick for the Bright Lights Award. And, you know, I've, I've really been a Braves homer here, I'm realizing, with Adam Duvall being a former Braves player as well as picking Spencer Strider for the Golden Arm. But I think the Braves have done it all. They've combined pitching and um, great hitting, and they swept the Cardinals 3-0 at Bush Stadium. And I've just seen so much, I, I don't want to say improvement because obviously this team is good, but I've seen so much from this team this season just to start. And, you know, they won those games at Bush Stadium 8-4, to 5-1, to 4-2. to two. And 
all those are over two runs. Even the five to one, that's a pretty dominant day. So they've done great to combine that pitching staff led by Strider. They'll, they'll add Freed later, but without him, they've done both to really be successful. So that will be the end of our awards segment here. Is there anything else you guys want to add before we call today here on Dirty Jersey? No, I mean, the only thing I got to say is, you know, baseball is absolutely not boring. Um, you know, if you say that, I, I, I am of the crowd that says you're a mental midget if you say that. So um, the, this first week of baseball was really good. And I think there's going to be a lot more in store. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of all the new rules, but I think they will. Like you said, there's quantitative results to why, you know, the games are getting better. And I like what I saw in the first week. Um, so I think I think they can build on that. I mean, all I could really say is it's a, it's a new brand of baseball. You know, I think it's um, it's in, in a sense it's kind of reborn, but we're not completely you know taken away from what it originally is. But like I said, I um I'm I'm enjoying it a lot, and um, I think everyone else will as well. And um, yeah. That's about it. <laughs> Alrighty, this this has been the first episode of the Dirty Jersey Podcast. My name is Zach Anderson. My name is Todd Persina. And I'm Aaron Parker. And I want to give credit to a lot of wonderful people that have helped this podcast get off the ground. I want to shout out Tanner Lambert, our sports director here at United to the Moose. He did a great job getting us set up online, as well as Nick, Nick Kratzas, who did our intro and outro audio here for the podcast, as well as got us set up online. And I also want to thank my wonderful girlfriend, Lillian Croft, for building our logo here for this podcast. So this has been the inaugural episode. Make sure to tune in every Friday. Next Friday, we will bring you a new episode. And we're ready to go for baseball season. It's been the Dirty Jersey Podcast.